0: I love Jesus more, but I love America. And what a great country, and what a country worth fighting for. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I want to talk to you today about something that's been on my mind for a while. And while you're turning to Mark chapter 6, let me remind you that Wednesday night we begin a brand new series that I'm calling Exposing Cultural Lies. And I'm going to take Romans chapter 1. And I would encourage you to go home uh, today, and <clears throat> from now to Wednesday, read Romans chapter one. And I'm going to deal with some hot button topics on Wednesday nights—real hot button. We're going to be talking this Wednesday night about false salvation, how America has been steeped in false salvation. There is a true salvation and a false, and. I got to tell you something, folks, our minds and our spirits are under attack daily, barraged by the enemy with cultural lies, lies that are very potent, very powerful, very persuasive, but very wrong. And Romans 1 tackles the biggies. We're going to be talking about false salvation, false worship, homosexuality. What does the Bible say about these things? and we're just going to let the Word speak for itself. If we don't know what it says, how are we going to tell anybody out there what it says? We need to be clear on the Word. So Wednesday night is going to be rated (laughs) PG-13. So buckle your seatbelts and turn out, and it's going to be great. We're going to learn the Word. Now, Mark 6, verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw... Can everybody say with me? Saw. Saw. Jesus looked and saw a great multitude. And what he saw moved him with compassion because they were like sheep not having a, a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. I'm going to talk to you today about through his eyes. What would Jesus see? What does Jesus see? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will place on us sunglasses, S-O-N, so we can see the world through his eyes. <clears throat> Lord, we know that if we do, evangelism will explode and people will be ministered to. Take away from us, Lord, any viewpoint or lens through which we see people wrongly. And help us to see the world through sunglasses. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you better listen, you're going to need this today. Well, this is a powerful subject. I love the Bible. I love the Word of God. I love the Gospels because the Gospels take away the veil of blindness that is so common to those of us who dwell in tents of flesh. We can't see the world through God's eyes unless we look at it through the Word. Now, I want to talk today about the eyes of Jesus. Have you ever wondered about the eyes of Jesus? We're told in Isaiah that there was nothing striking about him. He was not what we would call today a gorgeous or a beautiful man. He was not striking physically. Uh, it said there's no beauty that we would desire him. But I believe that Jesus did have something striking about him, I believe it was his eyes it was the way he looked at you. He saw through you. I'm not talking about the color of his eyes or how they were shaped. I think they looked like normal Jewish men's eyes. But I want to talk to you about how Jesus saw people, how Jesus viewed people, how Jesus sees you and me. You know, Jesus talked about the eyes in the Bible and the little saying that we've got Uh, that the eyes are the window to the soul, we really get from the Word of God. Jesus talked about our eyes in the Bible, and here's what he said about our eyes. He said, the eyes are like a lamp for the body. If your eyes are good or single or sound or healthy, is the idea, your whole body will be full of light. Your soul is full of light. But if your eyes are bad, divided. Your whole body will be filled with darkness. If then, Jesus said, the light within you is darkness, how terribly dark it will be. He's talking there about the worst blindness in the world. The worst blindness in the world is not physical blindness. Kathy and I were coming back from Florida on a jet, and right in front of us was a man totally blind. He had no irises, totally blind. And he had a seeing-eye dog asleep on the floor of the jet. I was glad the dog was sleeping instead of me. I, I, I envied the dog, actually. But beautiful dog. And this man was totally blind. Of course, your heart goes out. And my heart did go out to him. But it seemed the Lord said to me, Jeff, you ought to have more compassion on people who do not see spiritually. Because that's the worst blindness of all. Jesus called it terribly dark overwhelmingly dark. How terribly dark spiritual blindness is. Now, most of the time when we read these verses about the eye and the light of the eye, we think he's talking about the lust issue. And that's part of it, but that's not all of it. That is not all that Jesus was talking about when he talked about your eyes. Jesus said, watch this, that our eyes determine how much spiritual light enters our soul." How much spiritual light enters your soul depends on your eyes. We can be full of light, or we can be full of darkness, and that's why I love reading the Bible. Because when I read the Bible, my soul through my eyes is flooded with light. I still want that Bible. Somebody told me they were going to make for me that when I open it, a light comes on and floods my face. I want to open it up in front of you. And you see a light come on, because that's the way I feel. David said, the entrance of thy word gives light. It brings understanding to the simple. This word is light. It builds our faith. And the light comes in through our eyes. That's what Jesus said. Spiritual light floods our soul. The eye is the window to the soul. But Jesus said, in most people, the blinds are closed and the soul is dark. Because we shut out the light. And Jesus said, we won't come to the light. Because we're afraid that our deeds will be exposed as being evil. So we shut out the light. We will not look at the light. And Jesus wasn't just talking about, I want you to catch this. He was not just talking about what you look at as being the reason for light or darkness in your soul. It's not necessarily what you look at, it's how you look at what you look at. Now that's profound, and I'm going to stop a minute, and I want you to think about that statement. It is not what you look at, necessarily, that floods your darkness, your, your soul with darkness. It is how you look at what you look at that floods the soul with darkness, or light. For instance, I can look at a person of another race with prejudice and bring darkness to my soul. It's not what I'm looking at. It's how I'm looking at what I'm looking at that brings darkness to my soul. We so often view people who are not like us, who dress, talk, and wear their hair differently from us. We look at them in a disapproving, judgmental fashion, and our souls, we're not aware of it, but our souls become flooded with darkness because it's not what you look at. It's how you look at what you look at. You can open up this Bible and you can look at it critically. You can pick it apart. You can reject it. You can run it into the ground. You can try to disprove it. And so this word is not bringing light to your soul, but it's bringing darkness because it's how you look at what you look at. Is anybody with me today? So it matters how you look at what you look at, with what attitude, with what thoughts, with what feelings, what emotions that darken the soul or flood it with light. If I look at you today and I am filled with love towards you, then my soul is filled with light. But if you hate somebody, your soul is filled with darkness. John said, if you're looking at somebody with hate, you don't have the love of God in you. But he said, you are in darkness. And he said, how great is that darkness? Now, one of the, I believe this. I believe one of the great reasons for the lack of soul winning and evangelism in the church is because of the way we view people. Now, I'm going to step out there and walk in and out among the pews today, or the chairs in this case, and I'm going to step on our toes a little bit, but I've got to tell you, mine have been stepped on before I ever got here because I had to prepare this before I brought it to you. But I'm going to say it again. I think one of the real reasons for a lack of witnessing in evangelism, and I'm not necessarily saying here, I'm saying nationwide, worldwide, I believe what nips evangelism in the bud, what throws cold water in it, is how we view people. This week I was thinking about that well-known little phrase, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And now that thing has been so run to the ground, what would Jesus do? What car would Jesus drive? What plane would he fly? Would he go first class or would he go coach? I don't care, and you don't know, and I don't either. But I think it's a great question to ask yourself sometimes in this situation, what would Jesus do based on what I know about him? But this week, a thought occurred to me to drop the D and add an S, WWJS. What would Jesus see? What would Jesus see looking at you and me right now? What would Jesus see? And I've got to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent with you today. I'm going to tell you what triggered this. I was going up to our little post and parcel place near our house uh, last week. And I got out of my car and a tattoo place has opened up right next to the post and parcel where I go all the time. And... This tattoo place has a tendency to draw people who have a lot of tattoos. I have no problem with that. My son is covered with tattoos. I have a problem with that. (laughs) But when I got out of my car... I was taking something into the post and parcel and here's a bunch of these kids sitting outside lounging around. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon. They're smoking. Their their conversation is foul and filthy and they don't care anything about people hearing them. And they're sitting there just, you know, on the sidewalk and on the curb. I had to kind of step around them to go into my post and parcel. My post and parcel. (laughs) And here's what ran through my mind. Good grief. Can't you get a job? What are you doing hanging out? I was immediately filled with negative thoughts about these kids. I'm just being honest with you. I walked past them. I kind of gave them the look. You know that look, disapproval. What are you doing here? Go get a job. If you can't find your golden opportunity, find something under the golden arches. Go flip a burger. Go do something. I don't want to listen to your language. Get a haircut. Me, who used to have hair down to here? Get a haircut. Why are you dyeing your hair orange and purple and green? And what's with all the tattoos? And I walked into the post and parcel, Pastor Jeff. And I'm standing in line, and the Lord just seemed to ease up on me and say, do you realize how you just looked at them? I said, yes, and I was absolutely right. I was absolutely right. And I'm sure you feel the same way. And he said, No. And it occurred to me. I asked myself this question Why did I look at them the way I looked at them? And I'm going to tell you why. Because you've got to train your eye to see people like Jesus does. You've got to train your eye. I don't know why I'm popping here, guys. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm anointed. <laughs> got a loose All right. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. I'm sorry. Everybody praise the Lord and say, turn to your neighbor and say, you look good to me today. Now turn to the other side and say, you look better than last time I saw you. let's try it are we all right it's there all right we need to move on now look up and say lord thank you that you saw me through your eyes (laughs) okay here we go now boy y'all have some fellowship for a minute Now, this is hanging like the. Oh, well. Put it. (laughs) All right. This is a divine. This one won't be on the air. It'll be the second service. Uh, There. Give the Lord a hand. I know there will be no sound systems in heaven, and that will be heaven for me. Glory to God. So there I was standing in the post and parcel realizing that I did not look at them through the eyes of Jesus. If I had seen them through the eyes of Jesus, I might would have stopped and just talked to them about him. But you see, darkness came into my soul. The minute that I looked at them and I did not see them through the eyes of Jesus. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. I wound up looking at them like the world used to look at me. But somebody didn't look at me that way. And when they looked at me through the eyes of Jesus, they approached me about him and witnessed to me, and I got saved. So what would Jesus see? What did Jesus see when he looked at you? What did Jesus see? Now I want to highlight three outstanding aspects of how Jesus viewed people. How Jesus saw people. What did Jesus see? Well, first of all, Jesus saw through eyes of love. Now, I'm not trying to sound uh, spiritually sentimental, syrupy, or formulaic. I want you to know Jesus saw people through eyes of love. That's how he saw them. So if you wonder what would Jesus see, what did Jesus see when he saw you? He saw you through eyes of love. Did you know that I counted 10 times in the gospel? It says that Jesus was moved with compassion after he saw people. He looked and he was moved. When was the last time you were moved with compassion towards people? It probably wasn't very long ago because I believe many of you, most of you in here love the Lord. And have you noticed that since you got saved, your love levels have gone up? You see people differently. That's because... Jesus is renewing your mind and you're seeing people through the eyes of Jesus. And church, if we can see the world through the eyes of Jesus, it's going to change the way we deal with them. Because watch this. You will deal with people and you will respond to people and you will treat people based on how you see them. He had compassion on the crowds following him. Matthew records, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he healed them, fed them, and taught them. You know what occurred to me? Instead of looking at these people who had been following him three days and nights into the wilderness, instead of treating them like they were a hassle or a burden, or why don't you go find something to eat yourself, Jesus looked at these people and was moved with compassion towards them. He loved them. His compassion was stirred for the two blind men, and that's why he healed them. He saw these two blind men crying out his name. And the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. And he reached out and he healed them. I have discovered in the Bible that many of Jesus' miracles followed on the heels of being moved by compassion. I think love, according to the Bible, is perfected and strengthened and released through faith. And faith is released through love. When you love someone, there is something about it that strengthens and releases faith towards them. I think it's significant that so many people that Jesus healed and ministered to, he healed them after being moved with compassion towards them. And he was moved with compassion towards them when he saw them. Jesus' compassion flowed to the unwanted untouchables and the rejects of his day that nobody would have anything to do with the leper. You couldn't even touch a leper. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a leper in those days because you had to wear a bell and you had to ring it if you got within a certain distance from people so that they would not come near you and catch the dreaded leprosy. You were unwanted, untouchable. You had no fellowship with anybody unless it was another leper. You were terminal and nobody would do anything with you, have anything to do with you. And yet Jesus walked up to these lepers and reached out and not only healed them, but he touched them. And he touched them, it says, being moved with compassion. He saw them through eyes of love. That's how he saw people. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched forth his hand and touched the leper and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. He had compassion on the demon possessed. He had compassion on the dispossessed, on the outcast, and on the hopeless. The unpopular. The people nobody wanted to be around. He saw them through eyes of love. And he wants us to have those sun glasses on us. Are you with me, church? I have walked into churches before. You could have ice-skated to the seat. Nobody welcomed you. I was talking to a lady last night who called about joining our church. And here's what she said to me. She said, I walked into your church, and so many people came up and greeted me, said hello to me, and loved on me. She said, I never wanted to leave again. I want to join your church because of the way your people greeted me. And I want to tell you Why that is? Because the way we treat people, they may not know it, but they immediately link it with how God views them. As soon as you say you're a believer... People immediately link the way you treat them with how God feels towards them. And the Bible says that we have been accepted in the Beloved through Jesus Christ. We have been accepted by God because of the blood. So if we have been accepted by God, we ought to accept other people. I want the drug addicts walking in. I want the prostitutes walking in. I want the down-and-outers, the up-and-outers. I want all kinds of people walking in here and encountering The love of God. And we need to put on sunglasses so that the way we see them is the way he sees them. If we see them that way, we will reach out to them. We will win them. We will witness to them. We will give to them. We will sacrifice for them because that's how we're to view them. You know, the way Jesus viewed people always got him in trouble with others. He was always being criticized for the way he treated people because he was treating them in a way critical people did not want him to treat them. Jesus took the time and trouble, for instance, to reach the woman at the well who was in the eyes of the Jews an untouchable Gentile. The woman was shocked. Even she was shocked. When Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water, and she said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me to give you a drink? Why are you talking to me? Because Jesus was leaping over racial barriers. He was reaching over prejudicial barriers, and he was reaching out to somebody that no Jew would touch. When his disciples found him talking to this woman, the Bible says, quote, they marveled that he talked with her. But he took time with her because he did not see her as the town hussy who had been married five times was living with number six and had a sordid reputation. He did not view her the way the town viewed her. He saw her through harvest eyes. I said he saw her through harvest eyes. He saw her through harvest eyes. He saw her as a lost soul who needed to be saved. That's how he saw her. How many of you can say today, I'm so glad he didn't see me the way other people saw me. I'm so glad he did not criticize me, judge me, cast me aside, give me up for gone and dead and done with. But he loved me. He reached out to me and he saw me through harvest eyes. And that brings me to the second way Jesus viewed people. He saw them through harvest eyes. Now, I want you to hear me today. Jesus saw people, not according to prejudice or fleshly opinion, but he saw people as lost. Now, I'm going to say that again. Jesus viewed people as lost. You know, we say, well, I got saved, and the world kind of makes fun of that. So what do you mean you got saved? Well, I got saved because I was lost. If I wasn't lost, I wouldn't have needed to be rescued. But I say saved because I was saved from something and for something. I was saved from judgment, and I was saved for heaven. And it's because somebody saw me as lost, not just confused, but lost. Not just lost my way, but really disconnected from God. Jesus said, beware that you don't look down upon a single one of these little children. I, the Messiah, came to save the lost. And that's the way I see people. Lost. I should look at those kids. Lost. Not bums, not rebellious, not troublesome, but bottom line, lost. They were lost. Jesus saw people as lost. Now, notice that Jesus said that you can look down on somebody, and when you look down on them, forget that they're lost. Notice how he connected the way you view them as messing up your ability to see the truth about them. If you look down on them, you don't see them as lost. While speaking about Zacchaeus, The despised tax collector. Jesus was responding to his critics when he said, He has, when they said about him, he's gone to be the guest of a a notorious sinner. Jesus has gone into the home of a notorious sinner. Pharisees. Snoot-nosed Pharisees. Judging everybody, judging everything. And Jesus went into the house of somebody lost, a A dreaded, despised tax collector. And here were the critics sitting outside. Well, he went into the house of somebody lost. But Jesus replied by saying, I have come to search for and to save what was lost. I have come to save what was lost. That's how he saw Zacchaeus. His critics looked at Zacchaeus through eyes of hate. Jesus through eyes of harvest. His critics saw a crooked tax collector. Jesus saw a lost soul. How do you see people? How do you view people? Now, I want to just take that word lost for a minute. What does it mean when Jesus said, I came to save the lost? Here's what Webster's defines lost as. Unable to find the way to a place. Unable to find your way to a place. Like somebody who needs directions. But church, church, The word Jesus used was much stronger than that. When he used the word lost, it was a word that meant to be utterly destroyed, to perish. That's what it meant, to be destroyed, to perish. The disciples used the same word in the midst of the storm at sea, the same word. When they were perishing at sea, perishing in the storm, when they stood up and said, Lord, save us, we perish, it's the same word for lost. That's the way Jesus viewed people. It meant the difference between being turned around and in need of directions to being trapped in a burning house. How does Jesus see people? He doesn't see them wandering around just in need of direction. He sees people as being in need to be delivered from the equivalent of a burning house. Anyone lost is in a burning house, and they don't see the door. He was talking about a major rescue undertaking. Somebody lost, according to Jesus, is in a burning house. They need to be saved. They need to be delivered. They need to be rescued. It is not some laissez faire, so so, no big deal thing. People need to hear the gospel so they can be saved from being lost like they're in a burning house. Jesus said they were perishing. They were dying. They need to be saved. Do we see people that way? Jesus saw people through harvest eyes. Listen to what he said. Look around you. Vast fields of human souls are ripening all around us. Do you see it? Man, I went out there at the land last week, and I'm sitting there in a chair talking to somebody, and this young man comes up to me. And I'd never seen him before in my life. And he said, are you Pastor Jeff Wickwire? And I said, I sure am. And he looked at me, and he said, I listen to you every day on the radio. I can't believe It's you. Hi. He said, those messages so speak to me. And I said, well, I'm so glad to meet you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. He said, oh, me and my wife are in the middle of a divorce. I've been going through hell, and I tune you in to be encouraged in God. And this morning, I went to the store to get some groceries, and I got some dog food. And when I got home, I realized that I didn't have my dog food. So tonight I was going back up to the store to get the dog food, and I saw all these people out here in this yard. And so I pulled up, and I saw your name on the sign. And I said, it can't be him. So I've driven up here, and I asked one of your folks, is that the one that's on the radio? And they said yes. And he said, I want to meet him. So he came up and said, I can't tell you what it's meant to me to hear the word of God reaching into my darkness and strengthening me and helping me and encouraging me. And suddenly at that moment, I saw him through harvest eyes. Do you know why I'm going out there to that building? Because I see a harvest. I see all those people, teeming multitudes of people, lost in the clutches of the devil. I don't want to sound melodramatic here, but I'm telling you this is what Jesus said. They're perishing. They're in a house fire. They need for somebody to show them the door so they can get out. So, I'm not going to be religious. I'm not going to have a holy club. I'm going baptized in fire and baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I intend to preach Jesus. Because they are everywhere and they are harvest. They're not trouble people, they're not people we turn away from. We put on sunglasses. And when you put on sunglasses, you say, they're lost. My heart is moved with compassion. I want to reach out to them, and I want to minister to them, and I want to see them born again. Is anybody hearing me today? What would Jesus see? What would Jesus see? Jesus saw people through harvest eyes. He saw you and me through harvest eyes. He saw the woman at the well through harvest eyes. But I got to tell you, folks, to reap the great harvest Jesus said was out there, We've got to have his eyes. I read last night, 90 million people in America claim to be born again. 90 million claim to be born again. That means 220 million do not know Jesus as their Savior. Our nation is now almost at 310 million residents. Every 13 seconds, a new soul is added to American soil. There are in America alone 220 million people in a house fire. And how are we going to see them? We're going to see them through harvest eyes. I'm going to go on podcasts. I'm going to go on radio. I want to go on TV. I want to go to iTunes. I want to get everywhere I can get where lost people just going through the Internet will come across. You need to be saved. Christ died for you. He loves you. You need to be born again. I'm not going to mince it. I'm going to tell it. We need people to say what Jesus said. You've got to be born again. And finally, Jesus saw, when he looked at you and me, he saw who you could be. Oh, I love that about Jesus. He saw who you could be, not who you'd been. He looked at you. He saw people through redemptive eyes. He saw your destiny, your calling, your potential. He saw what God was going to do with you, not what Satan had done to you. He saw what you were going to be. When Jesus looks at you and me, he doesn't see washouts who have been lost in sin and hopelessly damaged. No, no, no. When he looks at you and me, he sees us through eyes of redemption. He sees us through redemptive eyes. He sees what you can be and what you will be in God. And you know what? He wants you to hear what he speaks over you. I learned a long time ago, do not let people define you. Do not let people who are not on your side define you. Don't let people who are critical of you, judgmental of you, unmerciful to you, don't let them be the people who define you. Let God define you. And if you let God and his word define define you. Here's what you are going to hear him say. You are the beloved in Jesus Christ. If God is for you, who can be against you? He has raised you up to give forth and sing forth and tell forth his praises into the darkness of this world and to praise his name. He has called you a child of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we are with him, we are going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He sees He sees us redeemed. He sees us seated in heavenly places in Christ. He sees us filled with the Holy Ghost. He doesn't see us covered in sin. He sees us washed in our sin. He sees us as great big bundles of potentiality. Jesus sees us through the eyes of destiny. I read a story recently. The great artistic genius, Michelangelo, was one day shoving a great big boulder down the street towards his house. And one of the neighbors looked out and said, why are you messing with that great big boulder? And Michelangelo said, there is an angel in this rock, and I'm going to bring it out. Hmm, I like that. Because people look at you and they say, why would God mess with you? And Jesus says, I'll tell you why. Because there's an angel in this rock, and I'm going to bring it out. There is potential in this rock. They are going to do and think and say things they would never have done apart from me. But in me and through me and by me, they are going to reach the heights. They're going to climb mountains they would never have reached the top of. They are going to bring glory to my name because I have stamped my name on their soul and my blood is on their heart. There is an angel. There is potential. There's a preacher. There's a teacher. There's a prayer. There's a missionary. There is is an angel in this rock and I'm going to bring it out. I'm going to bring things out of them because I made them. Jesus said to his future disciples, follow me and I'm going to make you to become fishers of men. He told Simon Peter, you are today Simon John's son, but you shall be called Peter the rock today. You are ordinary, but you will be extraordinary to the glory of God. Are you with me? Church? Jesus saw us. Let's stand together, can we? Jesus saw us. Can you repeat it with me? Through eyes of love. Well, that's, let's try one more time. Jesus saw us through eyes of love, through harvest eyes, and through redemptive eyes. That's how he sees us. That's how he sees us. Now, can you put on those sunglasses? Can you put them on? I see people through his love. I see what that person on the street can be. Amen. Father, we're headed towards a great harvest. You're preparing us for a great moment. I pray that we will put on those sun glasses. Because, Lord, there are so many lost. They're lost. Father, help us to reach them, and we know we will if we see them through your eyes. Now, with every head bowed, perhaps today you used to walk with God, but you've gotten away from him. And in getting away from him, the Holy Spirit has already been talking to your heart. And saying it's time for you to come home. He's looking at you through eyes of love, not condemnation. He's looking at you through redemptive eyes. What you can become through him. He's looking at you through harvest eyes. Maybe you've never had the miracle of being born again. I know that the Savior I've talked about today is looking at you and He wants to bless you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to bless you with a brand new start. He wants to redeem you. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories. I used to walk with him, but I've gotten away. Or I'm not positive I've ever had the miracle of being born again. I want to be sure we're not missing anybody today or not giving the opportunity to get right with him. I want you to forget about the person next to you. Just totally forget about them. All that matters now is you and him. If you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories, I'm going to ask you, let me pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that is the beginning of a changed life for you. If you'll let me do that, would you slip your hand right up in the air today and say, that's me, Pastor Jeff. I need him. There. God bless you. God bless you. Slip it up. I see you. God bless you. If your hand is raised, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to slip out and come down to the front right now. If you're with somebody and you don't want to go alone, just turn to them and say, would you go down there with me? and they'll come with you. They'll come with you. But if you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to come. Don't worry about what people think. It doesn't matter what people think. What matters is that we move on what God is doing. So if your hand was raised, slip out now, and we're going to sing a moment, and then we're going to pray. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. few people who did. Let me tell you something, why I asked people to come down. Because everybody who Jesus dealt with in the Bible, he dealt with publicly. He said, stretch out the withered hand. Step forward to me. Get out of the boat and walk on the water towards me. There was always a movement towards him. That's why we do it. But you know what? God will bless you. <clears throat> pray on the way home. Whatever you need to do, pray and God will help you. Dave, come down. And Dave, Super Dave, our children's pastor, is going to introduce somebody to us today. And then we're going to be dismissed.
1: Thank you, Pastor Jeff. All right, come on down, Luann. We're going to be, I want to give you a quick couple of announcements on our children's department. We're going to be making some changes. How many of you went to the picnic last week and got to tour the new building when you went inside? We are needing to gear up as we go into the new building and one of the first changes we're making is this is Miss Luann Bell. She is going to be coming on staff with us for a season. Luann is going to be taking over our the early childhood department that my wife, Leslie, had been running for the last three years. Leslie, my wife, is needing a break. She's basically tired, been doing that for about three years. Luanne comes to us with over 18 years ministering to children. She has a master's in early childhood from Southwestern Assembly of God. She has spent five years running early childhood departments in various churches. So we're very excited to bring Luann. So Luann will be doing the scheduling. She'll be working with the ladies in the uh, early childhood. So I ask that you would welcome Luann Bell on staff with us here. Thank you, Luann. A couple other things I need to make mention of real quick. Number one, Sunday school. Seven months ago, I recruited for Sunday school. I got a lot of pats on the back, a lot of good ideas. I asked for three teachers, two subs, one person to run it. I picked up one lady who volunteered to run it, one teacher. I need two teachers to come into place and two substitutes because we are putting Sunday school for the children into place so as we go into the new building, they will have Sunday school. I need to have people step forward. I believe God has already called them. I have prayed them in. I'm just needing people to say, I will give you a one-year commitment, Super Dave. I will work in teaching. There will be a couple training sessions here in the month of June. June on Wednesday nights to help get you into what it's all about. That will be in the bulletin announcements to be made. Please see me, folks. These are our children. Uh, Most of what we've been doing, Leslie and I have been carrying the load, and we're tired. We need help. I'm asking people to help pick up the load join with us okay we need help ministering to our children and finally one other announcement i've talked to pastor jeff we're going to be taking on wednesday nights a break with the first through sixth graders uh pastor had asked during the summer only pastor had asked me about seven months ago to start sitting in services on wednesday night i asked for people to help me No one step forward there I am tired folks. I need a break on Wednesday nights. I will be with the children one more Wednesday night. Now, if I have some people and you'd say I want to just do with games with the first through fifth graders on Wednesday nights, come see me. Otherwise, I'll be sitting in services during the summer. Please, I'm asking of you, please step forward. These are our children. Let's invest in them. We will give you training. We'll give you the tools. I can't do it all myself. Pastor can't do his all by himself. Pastor Tim can't do his by himself. Steve started by himself. God is blessing with staff. We can't do these things all alone. We need your help. So I'm asking that you come see me. Finally, if your child is in sixth grade, starting June 1st, they are promoted into the youth group. So they'll be going into the youth group here the first Sunday in June. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Uh, when
0: summer begins, and it's already begun in some schools, um...
1: What ages are not going to be available down there anymore? First through uh, sixth grade. They'll be sitting with parents. We'll cover the birth through age five. The elementary
0: age. Okay. It's,
1: if I can get some parents who will just play games during the summer, we'll do that because I'm needing to take a break. So.
0: Okay. So the first through sixth are going to be up here. And they'll get the word. They will get the word. That's okay. We're taking a little bit of a summer break for that age bracket. So bring your kiddos. And let them sit under the Word of God. Anything you want to say, Kathy? All right. We're about to dismiss.
1: Yes, and we do appreciate Dave and Leslie, and we, we're so blessed
0: by what they've done and given the last three years. Um, so I do ask you to pray about what he shared, but also next Sunday is First Fruit, so we're going to ask you to bring your non-perishable food donations. Anything you would like is fine, and uh, that's next Sunday. That will go to families that are having a hard time. Um, also next Sunday, Jeff's had a lot of questions about church membership, so he wanted to let you know.